0: I'll say this, I hate when I have slow internet, and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours, and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working, but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, Does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one mon- low monthly fee. Uh, I know that when I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina, to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or HeritageDigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Rock and roll! It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's JC Sherwood. Inside the game guys podcast. Happy Friday, the 13th, everyone, August. Uh, great to be back with you doing the podcast. I hope, uh, offensive defensive preview went well last week. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Josh Pate. I had an extended trip back to South Carolina <clears throat> got a chance to watch the Gamecocks practice a little bit. Uh, that was awesome. Um, got a lot to say about that. Uh, but first of all, and again, this segment is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Uh, you heard the uh, commercial at the beginning. Be sure if you need help with your IT and your business, tell them JC sent you uh, and all that good stuff. But first news, the news of the last 24 hours, 48 hours, of course, is uh, freshman All-American corner, Ron Prunty, who transferred into fr- from Kansas, uh, he didn't do much at South Carolina <laughs> uh, during the first week and ended up leaving the program and entering the portal. Uh, You know, look, there's no spin here as far as um, what that means and how that impacts that position. He was a guy they were counting on to solidify corner. Uh, If you started looking at him and Cam Smith as the starters and then Jamar Brown at nickel, you you sort of looked at it and went, well, there's, you know, three-fifths of the secondary uh, pretty much – taken care of, and then, you know, you develop depth from there, and then safety was a concern. But now corner goes back in that question mark category. Uh, you know, especially with Smith kind of nursing an injury right now, um, you, you know, they're big questions. Uh, and I said when they got Prunty, you know, what this does is, is you, don't have to, you don't have to toss Marcellus Dial out there and throw him into the, into the ocean uh, right away. You don't have to uh, start a freshman, you know. You don't have to start somebody that's never played a lot, like Darius Rush, who's actually ascending the depth chart a little bit and making some things happen. Uh, believe it or not, uh, not that I thought he wasn't, but uh, you know, Rush has been a guy started at receiver and then went to the DB. He's never played a whole lot, but certainly, you know, the new staff likes him. He's always been big and athletic, so. Uh, there you go with that, you know, and, and then Isaiah Norris obviously uh, has joined the team, uh, joined the team earlier this week uh, from JUCO, product out of T.L. Hanna High School in Anderson. Liked his JUCO film, but guys, you know, just like Dial, he hadn't played in a while. I mean, the, the, the film we have on him is from New Mexico Military Institute. That was a JUCO and a half ago, <laughs> if there's such a thing as a half a JUCO. Uh, but Norris is in, and uh, I, I think skill set-wise, you know, like I said, uh, he's a little light, but I think he can uh, he can help uh, in time. But uh, there's no question that from a talent standpoint, experience standpoint, and when you're putting together the, uh, the defensive backfield, you know, it's a loss. You know, there, there's no spin here. South Carolina so far, I mean, you, you read about guys leaving all over the country, entering the portal, you know, during preseason practice, that's, that's kind of the world we live in now that's going to happen with certain teams and programs. Uh, And the Gamecocks had avoided that so far, you know, didn't have a lot of, once Beamer got there, uh, didn't have a lot of attrition uh, in the spring. Uh, You know, you had two guys leave Mike Wyman uh, and Micaiah Scott left right after Muschamp did, but he was planning on leaving anyway. And so you, you sort of look at it and, Uh, The Gamecocks, since Beamer got the job, have been fortunate to avoid this. It's just unfortunate that this was such a key player uh, that left. But, you know, hey, look, it happens. You you can't control, you know, that situation. Um, It was a personal situation in nature. Uh, I don't have the actual details as to exactly what happened. And even if I did, I don't know that I would share them considering it's personal. And uh, I don't believe in you know, putting any kind of people's personal stuff out there, you know, when it's certainly – when it's, you know, it's just not relevant to, you know, Carolina football and, you know, what the situation is looking forward. I mean, he's either there or he's not. And so, you know, you've got a deal now in the backfield, uh, in the secondary, where, uh, again, it becomes a big question mark. And at corner, which is a very key position, obviously. So what I'm kind of looking at here is, you know, who's going to step in and, and you know, assuming Cameron Smith gets back, uh, you know, who's going to start opposite Smith. If not, who are the two that are going to start against Eastern Illinois? I'd I'd be surprised if Harris and Smith both weren't, uh, Kevin Harris, the running backs also nursing a back injury. I'd be surprised if uh, those two weren't back at least by East Carolina, um you know maybe there's a lingering thing maybe they could actually play but you're playing eastern illinois um expectations are not high in charleston illinois this year uh for the panthers but um you know their coach coach cushing is a a good coach he was at northwestern for years and years and years uh we know that bunch is very well coached and so you know, it's not a game where you can just show up and snooze through, but I think South Carolina obviously has a big advantage in that one, even with, you know, maybe some some new faces at corner. <laughs> uh, and it's good. You know, look, I, I think it's it's a positive deal that for confidence that, that this season opener is not Tennessee like it was last year or like Vanderbilt on the road like Muschamp had his first year in North Carolina and Charlotte. I mean, there's just, you know, this program traditionally has played pretty tough openers and they've won quite a few, um, although they're on a two game opener losing streak. Uh, But, you know, it's just, I think it's very helpful to ease your way into the schedule, you know, uh, Eastern Illinois, then you got a test on the road at ECU. And then of course, Georgia starts the, uh, the um, conference. And then Kentucky comes to town. So you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, so when I look at it, you know, Marcellus Dial is a guy from Woodruff High School. He's a JUCO transfer. Uh, I thought he looked, did some good things in the spring game. Um, I've heard good things about him during offseason workouts. You know, that would be the first guy I would look at um, when you're talking about a potential replacement. Now, and Gray uh, may have some different ideas <clears throat> about it. Uh, like I mentioned, Darius Rush is moving up the depth chart a little bit. Um, you do have Isaiah Norris, who just got there, uh, who I think is very capable. Again, it's just a situation where he hasn't played, and then a bunch of guys like Dominic Hill and Joey Hunter and O'Donnell Fortune, who's sort of a safety nickel. Carlin Splatel can give you some reps at corner if you need it. You know, it, it's just not as stable of a situation uh, as you would want to have with you know just sticking Keron Prunty in there and saying, "Hey, just you know, go do your thing." Um, and it's unfortunate. Like I said, it's unfortunate for the Gamecocks. Like I said, they've they've given, you know, they've been lucky. I'm not saying lucky, but fortunate. I guess would be the, the term to use. I don't I don't know. They've done a good job of keeping guys in. How about that? Because I don't want to minimize it and say you're just lucky because nobody transferred. There's a reason nobody transferred, and that the coaching staff and the support staff, street staff, all those guys set the tone. Um, you know but Karon Prunty's in the portal um, you can always get back out and come back uh, I've been asked that several times uh, I would say it's not likely that he comes back you never can rule it out when you're dealing with uh, college kids but um, you know I, I think that given what he accomplished at Kansas he's going to have plenty of suitors uh, and I don't know about his eligibility I, you know I, I would think since he already did officially transfer to South Carolina, that this is the second one, he wouldn't be eligible without an appeal. But with personal situations, you know, that may be easy uh, and all that. I I would be surprised if he ends up at like a Tennessee or somewhere. I think he's probably heading close to home, which would mean an old dominion or an East Carolina or a Norfolk state, maybe a Virginia or Virginia tech, although those schools are not just right down the road. Uh, You know, so we'll see sort of what happens, but um, certainly that's a big loss. And, and look, like I said earlier, every school in the country at some point goes through some sort of – the ones that don't are very – you know, they are kind of lucky. When You don't go through some sort of attrition, be it injury or whatever, um, in the preseason. Uh, you know, I just think that because of the questions elsewhere on the roster, you know, you start checking things off. Like I said, when they got him, well, corner. you know, you can check that off as well questions are answered are uh, potentially answered and obviously you know uh, somebody's got to step up and like I said the first guy I'm going to look at there is Marcellus Dial uh, like I said I thought he performed well in the spring uh, he went through spring uh, but the concern with him and Norris and Hill all these guys you know, they just haven't played a whole lot uh, you know so you you sort of wonder about that you know you're like I don't know you know uh, I, I will say this. I don't think that the secondary was without talent or athleticism. Uh, I think that there's some guys back there that are certainly good football players and great, good athletes, sometimes great athletes. Being a great athlete doesn't always mean you're a good football player, but uh, that's uh, you know, I, I don't think the cupboard is completely bare back there. It's just a matter of who's going to play where and who's going to step up and get some separation. Same, same thing is sort of true at receiver. I mean, there's a lot of options, uh, and a lot of guys that do different things well. Uh, but, you know, they need somebody to have some separation. I'll, I'll say this and I'll get to the practice uh, uh, observations. I, I think De'Kerry and Joyner uh, has become a vocal leader on the team. Uh, I think he's become a more complete receiver. You could see that in the spring game. Um, you know What kind of year he will have statistically, I don't know. But I, I think that at receiver right now, what you're looking for is a guy that could be consistent. Uh, And a guy that can, you know, you know what you're going to get when he goes out there. And I I think Joyner's proven that. Um, In my practice observations, uh, one of the first passes of the uh, pass scale they did, or uh, 11-on-11 passing drill or whatever you want to call it, he caught a nice pass on a slant from Luke Doty. I think Rush had the coverage on him. Uh, It was a perfectly thrown ball, and Joyner scoops it up, uh, you know, threw it right where he could get it, nice catch and run uh, by him. Uh, and so that's that's a positive, but I think we knew that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know uh, about Dakari on just because of uh, you know what he did in the spring and all that good stuff. Um, okay, so the first thing about the the practice I saw that stood out was the quarterbacks. I, you know, I I uh, I've always sort of not, I guess, gone overboard when we talk about Luke Doty and some incomplete passes and being a consistent passer and all that. Uh, a lot of his issues in games and in the spring game have been, you know, a young quarterback at times, you know, his his footwork fails him and he gets off balance. That's when you throw balls that don't make it, you know, when you get in a hurry and, and all that good stuff. Well, on, on Tuesday when I saw him, you know, he looked uh, pretty comfortable back there, really quick release, uh, good velocity on his balls. Uh, you know, thought he threw it well. I don't, I don't know that he had an incompletion. He had one that was maybe a little low. Uh, but it was complete. Um, and so that's good. That's practice. And that's not with, you know, defensive ends flying at you and protection and all that. And it was kind of a quick game drill. Um, there were some thrown down the field, but uh, Luke Doty looked pretty good. At the same time, uh, I think Jason Brown threw the ball pretty well. He had one that was too high to Trey Smith. Ortray made a great uh, effort on the ball. And I don't know if it was miscommunication or what, but it sailed on him a little bit. But other than that, he threw it pretty well. So, you know, the quarterback position to me, you know, I, I see why Luke's the starter. Uh, I see why Brown has a shot. Um, you know, they threw it well. And I think that's that's encouraging uh, for any team, you know, heading into the season. So uh, that was, you know, just one practice. And, and it backs up to, like, what I've been hearing uh, about Doty. You know, sometimes you hear things – Uh, And they don't match up with what you see. Maybe you caught them on a bad day. Maybe it's just like, you know, what you're hearing is is overly optimistic. But uh, I thought certainly uh, the quarterbacks were not a concern. Uh, D-line, O-line, I'll I'll start with the D-line. I I think I was standing a little downhill, uh, but walking off the field, I got a chance to walk by them. You know, this is a big athletic bunch um you know you look at a guy like Jordan Strong out there you i mean you know Jordan Birch uh man he looks the part JJ Enigbari looks the part Aaron Sterling uh those guys that are at uh, Mike Peterson's position i mean compared to what Mike Peterson's had to work with in, in recent years i mean this is this is a good deep group Hot Rod fitting. Uh, even looks like he's made some progress quickness wise. He's up to 255. So that end slash buck spot, uh, you know, I think is in really good shape from a depth standpoint and also a talent standpoint. Uh and then the D tackles to me, and I, I noticed Jakeem Green. You, you can tell Jakeem has been at Nebraska for two years in a weight in a big 10 level weight program. He just he looks really, really good. Um, you know, Zach Pickens looks really, really good physically. And athletically, Jabari Ellis is a guy that they love. Uh, Rick Sandage has come a long way. You know, look, if Rick Sandage can put it together this year, and, you know, it's going to be hard uh, to beat out Jabari Ellis, uh, I think, just because he's a senior and one of the leaders on the team. But if Sandage can come on, man, that's that's huge. Because when he's on, he's on. I mean, you can't coach 6'5", 305, or whatever he is. Uh, I'll say this about Tonka Hemingway. You know, it would not surprise me at all to see him end up starting somewhere. Um, He looks like he's gotten the additional weight on pretty well. He's up to around 300 pounds. He's moving well. Uh, Tonka is a guy that, you know, when he's been in games, he's what they call flashed. I I know that's one of those buzz terms that, you know, Will Muschamp used that maybe nobody wants to hear anymore. But uh, I think that when you look at it, you know the the future and the present on the D line is, is very very bright. Uh, you know, so the Gamecocks should be able to do some things at that spot. You know, stood next to the linebackers during drills. Uh, they all look healthy now. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, Brad Johnson looks like to me he's leaned up uh, and he's out there starting. And and the good thing about him, you know, he's got he's got a good frame, long arms. Uh, that's the good thing with him. I think the potential's there. And, and I've said many times, other schools that evaluated him when he was coming out, you know, Virginia Tech South Carolina wanted him as an edge guy, uh, pass rushing type. And then Clemson and Georgia and some other schools that looked at him said, Well, if we took him, we'd take him as a Mike linebacker. And so maybe that's the deal. And he's probably the will, but it's an inside backer position. Uh, and then Sherrod Green obviously is back. Uh, looks healthy. Sherrod, I know his career has been up and down, uh, but he's an older player now. And, you know, if he could be consistently up, you know, he can make things happen. I-, I thought 2018, obviously, he struggled. I thought 2019, he came back stronger. Then he was hurt all year last year. So Sherrod Green could be an answer there. Uh, you know, I like Mo Caba a lot. I like Debo Williams a lot. Uh, you know, physically, this group looks – You know, like a SEC level linebacker deal. Uh, I just, you know, they have to go play and it's hard to just, you know, evaluate anything outside of the athleticism and ability to move Uh, when you when you don't have like an 11 on 11, you know, drill with tackling so you can see how they diagnose plays. Are they taking false steps? You know, those are all the things you you use when you evaluate linebackers. So I didn't really get a chance to to do that because of the nature of the practice. I'll say this. I think Jamar Brown at the nickel position has found a home. Um, you know, he's 208 pounds, you know, playing safety nickel. Uh, they obviously need help there. I, I've always thought he had pretty good ball skills. Uh, just He's just a smaller backer. Uh, when he was a linebacker, now he's at safety nickel. And, and you know, we talk about the spur position. Uh, they're not, I don't know if they call it the spur. I think they still call it the nickel, but he's kind of tailor made for that. You know, uh, we all remember Devonte Holloman. And, uh, you know, Holloman grew sort of into a linebacker esque sized guy, but he still had his coverage ability and all that. And I think Jamar Brown, you know, again, if he can stay healthy, uh, could end up being somebody that um, that uh, plays a lot and has a big impact on the defense. I want to also mention at linebacker Daryl Ware, uh, a walk on guy from Fort Dorchester who played a lot at the end of last season. But physically, he looks good. I mean, he can move, he's big. Uh, Daryl Ware looks like he belongs, and I know the staff really likes him as well. Um, and so that backed that up. Um, at receiver, you know, I. Tra Smith was the guy I got really the most to look at. Um, you know Ortre still looks a little bit uh, you know like he's feeling his way back but there's you know effort there and um, I, I think that on some of these jump ball type of passes you know he could he could definitely come down with it. Uh, I, I think as far as speed goes, he looked a little bit you know like he was still making his way back to me. Um, but uh, I think or Trey Smith, as I've said a couple of times, if they can get, you know, 20 to 30 catches from him and 20 to 30 from Josh Van, uh, and then Brooks plays well and Jordan, I mean, I think they could, they could, you know, you're, we're not going to be talking about the receivers uh, at the end of the season uh, like we are now. Um, but it, it could be a production by committee type of thing this year just because, you know, of the separation or, or whatever, who's going to play or whatever. I know Justin Stepp's working them really hard. Juju McDowell, the true freshman from Georgia, um, probably among the freshmen so far has been the guy that has made the most noise. And uh, this guy straight line fast uh, and is, you know, a little like a Sanders in terms of his footwork. Uh, they were working with him at punt returner, him, Jalen Brooks, the carry joiner. Uh, all working with Justin Step in the punt return department. I, you know, Juju could end up being the guy uh, at that position. I, I think that's going to be his way to get on the field this year, um, unless he's just too good to not play on offense. Um, I, I, You know, you look at him, he's, he's a running back. Unlike A. Sanders, who was a receiver, he's a running back. Uh, and so he's behind four guys right now at running back. Uh, and then when you, you talk about like the – you know, the hybrid guys that you, you know, you like Jaheim Bell, you, you play them all over the place. Well, Jaheim Bell is going to be one of the best players on the offense. So he's behind him. Uh, Joyner's another guy that you can use kind of in different roles. So, so I, I just don't know how many touches uh, you can get him on offense this season. Uh, but I do think in the return game, you know, you you watch his high school film, he, he was lethal. Uh, he's kind of like what you thought Jam Williams was going to be uh, as far as you know, being able to do things with the ball in his hands. Uh, and, you know, Juju's too small to be a defensive back before you say, hey, can you move him to corner now? It's, it's not going to work because uh, he's not a very big guy. But that's okay because there's guys that are his size that have his kind of skill set that make a lot of plays and get a lot of yards for a lot of teams out there. Um, so just wanted to say that about Juju McDowell, um, you know, as far as the freshmen go. And uh, Tony morell on the sites talked about it, all that good stuff. So, you know, we uh, – you know, we, we, we try to re- report as best we can, uh, on, on all those things. So, you know, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I got a lot of questions in the mailbox today, you know, it's, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, questions on the, in the mailbag today and all that good stuff. Just saw an Oscar dealt prediction. Uh, well, Chad Simmons probably picking Georgia. Uh, Hell my and he actually went to see all Oscar and he feels the same thing. So, you know, we'll see what happens. If, if they lose out on Delp uh, I think they'll probably for 2022 uh, hit the portal for a tight end, maybe, maybe an attached guy. And then I think that uh, you'll see them, Sort of hone in on Ty Lockwood out of Tennessee for 2023. Um, and look, there, there's guys like uh, Sapp out of Greenville and uh, Xavier Short in state that could emerge depending on numbers. And the game guys did get a, a number back with, with Prunty leaving. Uh, that they get, I think they have 24 spots instead of 23. So uh, that's just one of those things. But um, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, with all that in recruiting wanted to give that little recruiting note there and so we'll see uh, we'll see what happens um, okay got a lot uh, in terms of mailback today uh, for obvious reasons and the fir- the first thing I'm going to address I don't even know if I'm addressing this to anybody out there's listening but uh, um. You know, so get some complaints. You know, USC.talk, that's uh, – <laughs> they're a uh, Gamecock recruiting page that's, you know, obviously a fan trying to recruit or whatever. Uh, Beamers, George, the, these people on Twitter, right? All right, so they're complaining about the per Facebook page. Let me explain about that. That's operated by 24-7 Sports. It's not meant to be like a website. Like some of you out there think Facebook pages are like websites. No, you need to go get your own website and actually, you know, a Facebook page is a Facebook page. Um, It's not meant to be like a one-stop shop for Carolina news. It's meant to have different, you know, I guess, articles and stuff on it of interest for sports or in in general. You know, it's basically meant – to show up in your feed for breaking news or whatever. I'm going to say this, though. I agree with some of the criticism um, about the Facebook page, especially with regards to, like, somebody put up, you know, just back-to-back Clemson articles and stuff like that. And and I know, like, if there's something about Clemson that's, like, extremely relevant or any other school in the schedule, you know, we're going to post it on there. But, you know, I, I agree it got kind of crazy, and then John Whittle had to delete something like that uh, and all that. But, you know, this guy's like, it's automated crap. The fact they don't care is the reason I don't pay for their crap. Well, well, this is why you're, you know, if you're counting on a Facebook page, uh, to, you know, as like, you know, con, as, as full service content, then then you probably should pay for it because that's not that we're never going to give everything away on Facebook, man. You know, we appreciate the people that read, but that's our Facebook page for distribution of our content, Uh, And I agree with the, you know, the, the uh, criticism there and we're correcting it on our end, but you know, you're missing the boat. If you think, you know, that's reflective of, you know, it sounds to me like you just kind of want something for free. uh, And so you're, you're just putting crap out there trying to uh, trying to hurt the site. I don't appreciate that. Uh, So anyway, that, that's the point there. Saw that in the inbox today and, Felt like I needed to address it. So now on to bigger and better things in the iHelp Consulting mailbox. And if you are inbox or mailbag, sorry, shoot, I'm just getting back in the swing of things, folks. Uh, if you're a business owner and you're always looking to save time and money, right? That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. So if you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, I help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel Owens at I help at 843-372-5713 or visit ihelpconsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? So be sure to Call or text Daniel if you want to save money on your business expenses. That's above and beyond what Heritage Digital does. Heritage Digital is going to keep your network running. Uh, What iHelp is going to do is just save you money across the board on everything. All right, so there's two ways to get into the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. First of all is to tweet to at the Big Spur pod, and uh, please follow that account as well. Uh, Christian says, what kind of impact or playing time do you see Boogie Huntley getting this season? I I think that Boogie Huntley will be uh, in the rotation from what I've heard. He's still learning, but the upside is there. Uh, You know, I I think he and, you know, and look, I just mentioned about the D tackles. I mean, is he going to pass Green who has college experience? Is he going to pass Hemingway? Uh, Or Sandage. See, it it gets pretty deep there, you know, when you're talking about you got Pickens and then you got Ellis, who's probably going to start. And and then, you know, Sandage and Hemingway are putting pressure on those two guys. And so then you got Huntley. You got Nick Barrett, a true freshman who they like. You got Jakeem Green back there, uh, who's really good against the run and who looks like a freak. Um, You know, so – how many are they really going to rotate? That's the question. Uh, they will rotate defensive linemen, Um, and that's good because that helps, uh, and, uh, and all that. So, you know, I would say Huntley's, you know, high end 10 to 15 snaps a game barring injury. Uh, if he makes moves, you know, throughout the rest of practice, um, you know, low end, he he just plays sporadically and, and gets ready for next season. Uh, behind some guys that, that I think could be really, really good. Uh, and, and so that's the deal there. But he's doing well. I mean, you know, it was a tough year last year for a lot of these freshman linemen to come in and, you know, with COVID and all that. I mean, Jordan Birch is high school teammate, same way. Uh, you know, so the expectation, maybe if you had high expectations for them right away, uh, you know, what the, the, the unique circumstances of last year side sidetracked that. Um, so you kind of reset and say, okay, what's going on here? Uh, and it's not Boogie Huntley that, you know, he's not doing well or anything like that. But, you know, you, you just start looking at who's ahead of him uh, and who's had a pretty good, you know, camp so far and who was good in the spring and all that. I mean, you know, if Rick Sandage is on, you know, look out. I mean, it's it's not – it's, tough. it's going to be tough for any of the younger uh, defensive linemen to really get uh, get going. So, you know, there you go with that uh, Own Boogie Huntley. Uh, Engel, also on Twitter, one of our Twitter users. JC, I heard Marcus Satterfield say that he will script the first ten plays on offense. Has any Gamecock OC done that before? And what do you think about that part of the game plan? Thanks and love the podcast. Yeah, you know, most of them do. Most of them scripted script them up. Even Spurrier scripted some up. Um, but the, the, the idea is you adjust, you know, you don't just sit there and stubbornly run your first 10 and then, uh, <laughs> and not do anything. And I think Satterfield mentioned that he's like, you know, maybe get through five or six and then you gotta, you gotta kind of adjust on the fly, which, which I think was good. Um, you know, even Kurt Roper and Brian McClendon scripted their first couple of plays. And, um, that's uh that's kind of pretty standard. And I don't know if the number exactly was 10 uh with those guys, but I do know they scripted them. Um and with Kurt Roper, you know, if you notice the offense would come out like gangbusters sometimes or even with, with McClendon too, you know, they'd score and catch them on in a in a defense early and get a quick one. Um, a lot of the time. I'm thinking about you know Kentucky game and both the games Gamecocks lost by the way, Kentucky in twenty seventeen and then uh it may have even been the same play up at Tennessee in twenty nineteen with Shai Smith from helensky but um you know that's that's pretty standard uh you know and, and I think that's a good part of the game plan you know you go out there you see what you can do, you're kind of feeling the other guy out, the opposing coordinator, and then and then you adjust so that's um that's kind of that's kind of part of it, but uh you know and, and like I don't know. Uh, and I, I think your your question is totally legit, Engel, because it's um, you know it's a situation where I don't know that any offensive coordinators ever put a number on it like that, and so that's uh, that, that's probably you know what's different about it. So you know that's the deal there. But appreciate your appreciate your tweet there go and don't be a stranger and appreciate you listening to the podcast. Gamecock Ricky says, what's the word on Prunty? Uh, I kind of went through that, but I did want to read your questions as you took the time to tweet it to me. Uh, you know, kind of been through that already. Uh, so, you know, see the earlier segment of the podcast <laughs> for that one. And we got another uh, Prunty question from uh, Cartwright. And he says, is he gone? And uh, I would say yes. Uh, you know, you can't – until he enrolls somewhere else, he's still in the portal and, you know, could theoretically return. But, uh, you know, that's that. You know, right now I, I don't expect him back, just given the nature of the departure and all that good stuff. So two questions in for Mark. Harris Wainick is the question, if Carolina misses out on their top two 2022 targets. Any chance they wait and see what they could possibly get from the walk home from Sumter? He looks like a beast already after a summer in the weight room. Yeah, I thought, I thought I saw him and noticed him at practice. He looks pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I still think they would want to sign a running back and they may get one in the portal just because, you know, you don't know what – you know, Kevin Harris has another good year. I would anticipate him taking a shot at the NFL just because running backs, I said this before, I'll say it again, they all have a shelf life. Um, and they're not – You know, they're not players that even when they're really good, get drafted particularly high. I mean, you have to be special uh, to get drafted top five or whatever, running back Um, these days. You know, uh, know, Todd Gurley or uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, Leonard Fournette, a guy like that. Um, I don't know that the pros think Kevin Harris is that kind of guy. Um, So, look, if if you're projected top three rounds uh, and you've, you know, Rush had been productive for two years in college, I mean, you're probably going to gonna take off. Uh, Zaquandre White could conceivably leave too, although he does have another year. Marshawn Lloyd still has more time. Rashad Amos has more time. Rashad Amos is going to be really good, folks. Um, you know, and then there's Juju McDowell. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Could they wait and see? Yeah, I mean, they like Harris Wainick. And, you know, that he's actually – I thought he looked good in the spring game. And you know, he looks like he belongs um you know is he a guy that's going to replace a scholarship guy as they're building for the future I, I don't know that answer right now um but I do I do. I do. I know they like him and I and I think it's not going to surprise me if that guy plays a lot of special teams this year and, and sees the field um just because of uh like you mentioned how good he looks and uh summer in the weight room paid off pretty well so Mark also says, what is your ideal middle linebacker in a Clayton White coach defense? Is Ernest Jones an ideal fit in that scheme, or is it a different style of linebacker? No, Ernest Jones would be a fit. That would that would be a guy. Um, I would think you need a guy who's smart and instinctive but athletic enough to run sideline to sideline and strong enough to shed offensive linemen. In 2021, Sherrod Green looks like a guy that fits that. If he stays healthy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think right now we're tracking towards Brad Johnson and Sherrod Green as Red chimes in. I think I think right now those are your starting linebackers. I think Mokaba is going to make a push. I think Debo Williams will make a push. I think those guys will see the field. Um, Daryl Ware is going to play, um, but I think right now that's that's kind of the duo that you look at. And, and like I said, I think Brad Johnson's leaned down. And, you know, maybe this is his answer. You know, I, I know that that. You know, Brad Johnson and Cam Smith were kind of the, you know, the scapegoats, not the goats, the scapegoats of uh, the Tennessee game last year. Because um, Brad really messed up a coverage where they had a, they had a sack and it was a long pass play. And then Cam Smith gave up a long pass play and the ball hit him on the foot on special teams. I mean, yeah, I was just in a four-point loss like that. You know, it, it's tough. But – um you know, so so I know everybody's not like part of the Brad Johnson fan club out there, but, you know, players get better over time. Uh, sometimes they find a home that, that's more comfortable to them and, and their game and, you know, it, it may be one of the inside backer positions. But right now, as far as, you know, Clayton White's group, I, I think, you know, if you look at it realistically, it's probably going to be Johnson and Green unless somebody beats one of them out. And, you know, there's a scrimmage tomorrow, and and that's the first scrimmage, and that's that's probably going to change a bit in terms of the depth chart, you know. Uh, But that's it. As far as my ideal middle linebacker, you know, you nailed it. Any kind of Mike linebacker, I'm not so much worried about straight line speed like 40 times with with a guy in the middle. Um, What I'm looking at is lateral movement and ability to dissect plays find the ball, play your assignments. And the biggest thing with linebackers where they get in trouble, and this is where Green got in trouble in 2018, is taking false steps and getting out of position. Um, and that a lot of times comes from not being comfortable with what you're doing. Uh, you know, you, 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 taking false steps is, is this. It's, it's, you know, the play is going to my right, you know, and I've got to get there, but I step to my left, Cause I take a fake or something like that. And that split second of time in football, when you're talking about playing linebacker can be costly. And some guys take a lot of them, you know, especially when they don't know what they're doing. If you watch the linebackers at the end of 2018, like in the Clemson game where, you know, they had no chance to stop anybody. And then at the end of last year where they were just playing guys, whoever out there, cause they didn't have a lot of bodies. Um, Lots of false steps, lots of getting out of position. That's why Kentucky went up and down the field. That's why Clemson – one of the reasons Clemson was able to go up and down the field. So, um, if you look at it from that standpoint, you know, that's uh, that's um, that's the key, uh, I think. Now, Green in 2019 settled in, uh, and he had some good plays at times. He played well at times. You know, he settled in at that spot. You know, Brad Johnson last year was at Sam, and then he got hurt, and so – You know, we don't know exactly what the deal is. I know this. I know, you know, through two staffs now, people like the way Brad Johnson practices and play, you know, all that good stuff. So, you know, uh, the guys that have impressed both staffs, you know, here's the thing with me. It's either – it's one of two things. It's either they're really good players and they just in games for whatever reason haven't done it, or they're great practice players, (laughs) which happens too. You know, I mean, so so the guys that both staffs are have been like high on, that, that's my take. It's one of two things. Uh and, and look, this new staff's gonna figure it out if these guys are practice players, you know. I mean, you know, they're they're gonna figure it out quick and somebody else is gonna get a shot. But overall linebacker, you know, I I I was a little bit more athletically, you know, in terms of athleticism and and players and numbers, I was a little bit more impressed than I thought I would be. I was a little bit uh more positive of that, that, that position, Um, you know, with the qualification that, uh, you know, evaluating linebackers or it's tough to do in that setting. And believe me, I did it Uh, try evaluating guys at Nike camps at linebackers brutal because you you always got to go look at the film and a guy can look great in shorts and move around really well. And then you, you watch him on film and he's shying away from contact and, you know, taking those false steps and all that good stuff. Um, and I'm not saying these guys are, I'm just saying, I didn't get a look at it. So that's the question. And I, and I know that last year down the stretch with, with the, cause everybody wonders, you know, how in the heck did this group with all these NFL guys in the secondary, not, not play very well collectively. And, and linebacker was the, was pointed out to me as a big reason. Uh, and like I said, these two guys, Johnson and green were not healthy. You know, Cabo was not healthy, and then he was healthy. Daryl Ware played a lot as a true freshman walk-on. And Gilbert Edmond out there at the end. I mean, at the end, it was just, a, it was a you know, the definition of a mass unit. Um, and so, you know, they played two at a time. I, I think, you know, you throw Jamar Brown out there as a nickel. Uh, he's a third backer in some instances. I mean, you know, you, you've got some guys that have a chance. Um, and look, if Johnson and Green aren't the guys, then I think Kaba and Williams could end up uh, being that, or Kaba and Ware. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not ruling out Daryl Ware starting. I, I'm just uh, a walk on or not. I think the guy's got a lot of tools, and um, he works extremely hard, and looks like he's been in the weight room and all that. So, Mark, as always, you've been asking me questions about the Gamecocks for about 13 years now, and I appreciate it. Keep them coming. Again, inside the game, and I didn't even mention this because, like I said, I'm just kind of getting my, my legs under sea legs under me again here uh, after a, a big break. But um, you can get into the I help consulting mailbag by tweeting to at the big spur pod or emailing inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, inside the at at gmail.com. And that's the, I'm in the, the inbox portion uh, of the mailbag right now, Dr. Robert. JC, I hope your vacation was a restful one and you are recharged for the season. I definitely am. Uh, I see the Oklahoma and Texas additions as a big positive for the Game Gamecocks given the playoffs are expanding to 12. I would not like to move if the playoffs were staying at four. Um, I'll address that real quick uh, and uh, say that I completely agree with you. <laughs> uh, I think at four, you know y- – you're trying to slip into a very small crack. I mean, even good sec teams that have one or more losses don't make the playoffs. Now I think, you know, with 12, it's probably going to be a different story. Uh, I consider myself a realistic fan. Dr. Robert continues, but I truly believe under Beamer, we can get to a level where in a three or four year cycle, we can consistently have a season or possibly two that we finish between nine and three and 11 and one. Playing in the new SEC, I have to believe that a record of ten and two are better, or some years nine and three will get South Carolina into the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think it depends on who the three losses are, but you know that could that could happen. I think ten and two, you're feeling a lot better. Uh, am I delusional to think that once Beamer fixes any current roster issues, that over a ten year period we can make two or three playoff appearances, even if it's the eleventh or twelfth seed? and have a floor as a program of seven and five during a down year. Would love to hear your thoughts and thanks for all you do. Providing the best gamecock content out there. Well, I, I, look, I think anytime you hire a new coach with a vision and a plan, you know, what, what you're looking for that coach to do is to maximize the program. I mean, you, you know, you don't want, you know, you want the, like you said, the down years at seven and five, six and six, whatever. That That's the floor. And, and really, that's, you know, South Carolina, the big problem has been that since 2015, the floor has dropped. Um, you know, you, you're back to the four and eight and three and nine and two and eight. I mean, two and eight last year. I've said it before. People people harp on that. And your record is your record. But it was an all SEC schedule, and people don't – you know, that, that people just dismiss that. <laughs> uh, in a coaching transition year where you had an interim coach and uh, interim coaches at South Carolina – or one and eight, you know, you know, I think Sean Elliott won his first game and then lost last five last five. And then Bobo was open three. So, you know, two and eight, whatever. I mean, it was probably in a normal year, but maybe even a six and six bowl team uh, if you had the cupcake games or whatever. Um, but, and, and no opt outs and it was a normal year, but you know, that's the bottom line is you are what you are And four and eight and two and eight. That's, that's been, a, uh, that's been a, the lowest point since 98, 99 when the Gamecocks went one to 21 um, hadn't quite and got that bad, you know, but uh, it, it hasn't been good. And so the floor for this program should be seven and six and, and you know, music city bowl, Birmingham bowl, something like that. You know, in a down year, that and that's kind of how it was uh, under Spurrier. Um, you know, he established that floor because year after year after year after year, they at least won six or seven. Uh, and Holtz did – you know, Holtz had the two five and sevens, but Holtz was right there between five and seven, you know, after the first 0-11 deal. Got to eight and nine years, two and three. But, um, you know, there's no reason why South Carolina can't be, you know, relatively good when they're up. Um, and there's no reason why you can't get to a, you know, a situation where you're finishing nine and three or 11 and one, you know, that, 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 that run under Spurrier, um, you know, and it was Steve Spurrier and it was all that. I mean, that, that thing lasted five years. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, you know, even the 2014 team, which, you know, bad year on defense, you still look at it and they don't blow those three leads. They still win the East. I mean, South Carolina goes nine and three and wins the SEC East. So uh, in a down year for the East. So I, I, you know, I, I think it's not delusional to think that. I, I think you're always going to have, you know, situations where in a, in a year where things don't go your way, maybe you have some injuries and, and that's the way it is with any SEC football team. You know, that's the way it is with, um, Auburn, uh, you know, just about everybody outside of Alabama, LSU didn't have such a great year last year either. Uh, you know, y- you're going to get beat if you know you're, you're, you're having issues with your roster or whatever, or just a down year. I mean, that, the, the league is too good to think otherwise. But there's no reason why South Carolina, you know, can't can't you know get on the pl- the plus side or the positive side of things. You know, when it comes to uh, when it comes to playing and competing in this football league each and every season. So that's uh, that's the deal there. Um, I, I think that you know it, it's not unrealistic uh, to do that, and and I think that's the goal and the plan. I think that you know when you when you hire Beamer and you take a shot and you, you buy into his vision and his plan, that that's what you want to do. Um, and look, it's not going to be a situation like up at Clemson where in a down year, you're still winning the ACC and going to the playoffs unless the SEC is just bad. But I will say this, you know, South Carolina, if you, if you, if you drill down on those, you know, good years under Spurrier, if you drill down, like I mentioned, the 2014 team, right? That 2014 team, you know, that was a down year in the league. It kind of like Clemson's, if you look at Clemson's 2017 group, I, I thought that group certainly dominated the ACC, certainly dominated South Carolina. Uh, I think the game the game with Alabama showed you kind of how good they were, which was you know, not that not as good as their other teams, right? Uh, and and so you, you look at you know South Carolina in that period, that 20 uh, 2014 team, not as good, still though, you know, three stops away from winning the east again in a down year and and i think that's kind of what you look for and i don't know what's going to happen with the divisions or how the sec is going to be formatted or whatnot and obviously that matters too but uh, you know i think that's what i think what you want to have happen is in those down years like that year we just didn't have a defense you know you're still seven and six i mean even you can even use 2018 as an example for the game cocks. obviously that team did not meet expectations because at the beginning of the year they were expecting them to contend. Uh they had m- massive amount of injuries on defense. They still scrapped out a seven and six season that was respectable. Beat Ole Miss, beat Tennessee, you know, that kind of thing. And so uh I I do think that you know that's 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 the low point. That that should be the low deal, you know, and occasionally you know, you may have a season like 2016 where you, you just, you know, don't have anything. Or, <laughs> uh, and, you know, you can still scratch out six wins. I think those seasons, you know, at South Carolina should be, you know, commended a little more. You know, and, uh, you know, you, you got to kind of look and be realistic as to what you have. So, I, and, and you know, this year, there's going to be so many new players playing. I mean, and it's a new staff and everything's so new. I, I, I don't even know what to think. I I, I think... When I look at it, you know, South Carolina's probably not going to be a bunch of world beaters this season. But I also don't think in the first seven games they're playing a bunch of world beaters. I mean, you're you're not playing – you know, you don't have Texas A&M and Alabama and LSU and, you know, all these teams, you know, lined up at the beginning. You know, you got a trip to Georgia that's going to be a a huge challenge. Uh, But, you know, at East Carolina, Kentucky at home, Troy, Tennessee, Missouri, Vanderbilt you know those those games those aren't games the Gamecocks could you know (laughs) those aren't games the Gamecocks are are, are just gonna like you know sit there and 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 be outmanned uh in with or without K-Ron Prunty which is probably going to be without thanks Dr. Robert appreciate that Frank emails in we've heard you refer to the receivers as a group where each guy has something to work on Wondering if you could share thoughts on improvement for each receiver more specifically. I'm guessing for Brooks, it's hands, joiner, it's routes. Nah, it's not. Brooks has hands. Brooks uh, had a big drop last year. Everybody thinks that's how he plays all the time. Brooks has hands. Uh, you know, I think hands would be Josh Van. Uh, obviously, he's got a hold on the ball. My understanding is he's doing it better. But you know, when you go through two or three years and you have drops then it's something that nags at you. Uh, with Joiner, I think it's probably top-end speed, you know, in a straight line. He's quick enough, and when he gets to the open field, it's going to be hard for people to catch him. But top-end speed is probably the issue there. Um, oh, we got another uh, transfer portal news, breaking news from the thebixper.com uh let's see who's in the portal Jordan Rhodes is in the portal and uh he opted out and then opted back in last year got moved to D-line uh was not projected to start even though he started a bunch of games uh during his career for the Gamecocks so uh Rhodes is out so there's another portal guy that uh you know, we'll transfer. And, and look, here, here's the thing about Rhodes, too. You know, I, I I don't know that it's a super positive that he's leaving because you, you never know what's going to happen with death. But, you know, guys like Vinny Murphy at guard have passed him. Um, you know, he, I think he was running second team when I saw. You know, so he probably wants to go someplace to start because yeah, he is a starter, and, and that's understandable with that. So, there we go. Breaking news. <laughs> Just broke on uh, Inside the game Gamecocks podcast. Uh, But, yeah, you know, so, look, going through all 14 receivers, I mean, look, you know, with with some guys, uh, you know, or Trey Smith, it's getting his body back in condition uh, to play. How long can he go? That's the thing. With Amari and Brown, it's strength and continuing to learn the system that he's in now uh, and playing to his ability. Uh, Rico Powers, it's consistency, uh, you know those are the ones I know off the top of my head, but it's uh, it, it, with some, it just kind of is what it is. I mean, these guys are just going to be who they are. You know, Jakari Caldwell is another cons- consistency guy you know, needs to go fast all the time. Um, with some, they're going to get better, you know, with some, that they, they're not going to ever get it and probably transfer out here pretty soon. So uh, when you got that many guys, you know, uh, with different things, I mean, some are going to rise to the top. Some aren't. Um, and I still think this group's going to be a mystery this year. I think that, uh, you know, we'll see sort of what happens, uh, you know, with, with the receivers in general. I, I think that with EJ Jenkins at tight end or playing tight end and receiver and then Jaheen Bell getting moved all over the place, you know, it's not going to be a bad thing if Jenkins and Bell are your top two receivers. I mean, even though they're technically tight ends. Uh, you know, and you add Jalen Brooks, who's played well, you had to carry a joiner in there, Um, you know, or Trey Smith can help you. Josh Fan can help you guys like that. Then, you know, maybe you're, maybe, maybe the receivers aren't even something we're talking about at the end of the year, but right now we got to talk about it because it is a question mark. You know, there, there are no, you know, absolutes. Uh, I think when it comes to preseason football, like, you know, you can't sit there and say things like this secondary is the worst group in the sec because you don't know, you know, that that's, that's a very declarative statement, you know, that they're not proven, you know, you've got questions, you got a lot of players that haven't played in a while. Um, but you know, you can't make that assumption you know you can't sit there and say, this is the worst group of receivers in the league right now. Maybe it ends up that way. Maybe it doesn't. Um, Preseason coverage of of football uh, is about who is going to play for the Gamecocks this year. That's all it is. You know, uh, nobody's sitting there going all SEC, this, that, the other. That's for that's for other people to do. When we cover preseason, that this means okay, like Darius Rush for an example. I mean, like I said, some positive things about him because he's ascending the depth chart. That doesn't mean he's going to be a world beater when he gets out on the field. That just means that as far as in practice, which is how they determine who's going to play, he's making a move. Um, And I think sometimes people get that confused. Oh, you know, this means this guy's going to set the league on fire. No, it doesn't. It just means he's going to be the best one the Gamecocks have. And then you go to battle with whoever the Gamecocks have, and then you make determinations. I don't think anything is going to be known, um, you know, until probably week four against Kentucky. Because you, you look at it, you know, Eastern Illinois should be a win. East Carolina should be a win, but it's going to be a challenge. Everybody knows that. Georgia probably will be a loss. It's a, it's a big challenge going to Athens, their top five team. And then Kentucky comes in. Now we'll know a little bit more about Kentucky when they come in because they play Missouri in week two, and that's kind of the other darlings of the SEC East this offseason. season. And so we'll see kind of how they match up. But it's at Williams-Brice Stadium. Gamecocks beat them last time they came to Columbia. Columbia is not an easy place to play. Uh, I don't know that Kentucky's overly talented. More, you know, way more talented than the Gamecocks. They may have an edge at some spots, but I think the Gamecocks will have edge in others. So I, I don't even know that we're going to know you know, until that, that week, um, you know, in, in terms of what exactly this team has. Yeah. And that's, that's common with a lot of teams, you know, teams, you know, big 10 teams, sometimes they start off three and O cause they play three Mac teams. And then, you know, they end up three and nine, because <laughs> they, the nine conference games are a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, so we'll find out, but, um, yeah, that's the best I can answer that on the receivers, Frank, and uh, don't be a stranger and keep, uh, Keep rocking and rolling with the uh, I Help Consulting mailbag. Um, yeah, and just like that, Kentucky has a uh, a um, an injury. One of the top-ranked players in the twenty twenty-one class, four-star freshman receiver DeKel Crowdis, is a knee injury. So that's uh, that's the deal there. So. We'll see, see what happens. Uh, and, again, Jordan Rhodes is in the portal, offensive lineman. So that's that for that. All right. This, uh, you know, this has been a good episode here. <laughs> First day back, had a great vacation, enjoyed Myrtle Beach, enjoyed spending some time in Columbia. Got to go see my buddy Bill Gunner, who's on 107.5 The Game. and spent some time with him. Uh, just really good. to, to Ran into Phil Cornblute at practice. Uh, just really good to see Phil, um, you know, Phil, you know, means a lot to all of us that cover recruiting for a living, um, you know, and certainly he's been really good to me through my career. And also always good to see Whittle and Hale and JDB and all the guys on the big spur that I work for. And even the guys that work for the other sites, it's always, always nice. Got to see Ryan Hadn't seen, uh The Ryan Bethay that works for the big spur, not the receiver that played for the Gamecocks, but uh, that was always nice. Be sure to, uh, you know, talk to the uh, or, or take advantage, I guess, of the services that our sponsors have to offer, Heritage Digital and iHelp Consulting. Uh, and I'll be back soon, guys. I'll be back soon. We uh, we're full go now. Uh, like I said, it was uh, that is not that my typical vacation time. My typical vacation time is usually in July, uh, so I kind of feel bad. We've gotten behind a little bit here. Uh, but we made it back before the first scrimmage, and you know the first scrimmage really tells you a lot. And then you go from there, uh, and we'll uh, we'll continue to cover it right here uh, on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. This is JC Sherbert signing off. Hope all of you have a wonderful day, and we'll holla at you soon.